Okay, everyone. Hi, you are back once me once again. I am the Zenith. This is another episode of the podcast, and today's very special guest is John Lee. John Lee is the founder of Custom Mobile App. It is a uh, mobile app where he creates mobile apps for podcasters to engage and monetize audiences. And um, he will create your own podcast app to your own specification using your current existing RSS feed and um, nothing will change about where it's hosted but you will be able to engage your audience um, in whichever sort of manner that, that you like and um, one example is to, to create and search sell merchandise on that app simply for your, your listeners um, and your app can be basically anything that, that, that you want with it if you go to Google Play you'll see one of their um, or, or the app store in Apple, you'll see their, um, one of the apps that they've created, which um, is called Superpowered Network, and that app was designed around spirituality, consciousness, mindfulness, social parenting, and um, so it would be an app that I would consider asking John to, to create. Um, on top of that, John is, uh, seems to be a philosopher um, and enjoys deep, meaningful conversations, which is what we're going to get into today. Um, but first of all, John, very, very well, welcome to you. Thank you for, for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Zenith. I'm <laughs> a lay philosopher, not a professional philosopher. <laughs> we're, we're all lay philosophers, I guess. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe professional philosophers are overrated. Um, I think we're all philosophers. Anyone who has a, a philosophy or has a viewpoint in life can be considered a, a philosopher. So yeah, uh, just before we get started, tell us uh, tell us a bit about your work and this this custom mobile app that you that you've started, you've created. Yeah, that's a small business I started over a year ago, and like you said, um, it's a custom mobile app agency. So we help podcasters and networks of podcasts have their own mobile apps on the app store. So we can do that for our customers at a very affordable price. Right now, it's twenty five dollars a month if you're a single podcast. And if you're a network, it's $50 a month. So very affordable and then accessible for the average uh, content creator to have their own presence on the app stores. So that's okay. What, 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 um, what does that get you if it's £25, or $25 sorry, a month? What sort of support? What sort of features? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that will get you your own app for your show on both app stores and all of our features available to you, including selling merchandise like you mentioned, uh, gathering all your different content into the app. So if you have video content on YouTube or Vimeo, plus a blog, plus your podcast, you can have that all in one space inside your app. Uh, And then the plus of having your own app is you can point your listeners or your your consumers to a, a call to action. So if you want them to buy something or sign up for something, join your community, that's all in the same space. So that's the benefit of having your own app like having your own website. Yeah, that, that's actually really interesting because um, uh, unfortunately or fortunately for me, I, I've created a number of social media sites and I'm constantly trying to, you know, oh, I haven't created any content for this. I haven't really created any. And I seem to have um, different types of, of listeners for different types of media. So there would be some who would actually watch and listen to the YouTube, which would be different to subscribers to the blog, which are different to people who just prefer the audio, who are different from people in the Telegram channel. 
So things like that. So the, the potency to be able to integrate all that into one app, um, so that everybody is just running off the one app, and no matter what I post goes into the, goes into that one app is, is really really useful. Yeah, I can, I can really see the benefits of that. And this app, it, it doesn't require you to to change service or change network or change host. Um, no. no. So no matter what. Yeah. So yeah go ahead. Uh, the point. The point that uh, we want to drive home is you, the content creator, should not be doing extra work, right? So create your content, host it wherever you're hosting, and the app should just update with all your latest content. So uh, we don't want our creators to be doing extra admin work to keep the app updated. That'll just update automatically. How many is in the team? Oh, how many are, are on the team? It's just me. It's my solo business. Yeah. Uh, how, how long have you been doing this? Just over a year. We, uh, I say we, but it's really just me. I relaunched the website January of last year. So it's been you know, just over a year, growing steadily by word of mouth, no paid marketing or advertising. Uh, yeah, so. Well, where did you get the inspiration from? Had you got a background in you know, developing apps or was it just something that you just thought or you know, had you maybe like a, one of these sort of inventors that had a number of different ideas didn't quite work out until you, you hit on the idea that you know, really paid off? I do work in technology. I'm a software product owner. I do have a day job still. I work for a company. But I've also wanted to own my own business for a long time. So yeah. I've been on this entrepreneurship journey for a couple of years and I pivoted from my initial idea to this agency model, like I said, about a year and a couple of months ago. Um, initially, I wanted to build my own application, my own uh, social podcast app, something like Anchor slash Clubhouse, something like that. But um, it never really launched and got off the ground. So yeah. I found a way to pivot that into what I'm doing now as a service company. Yeah, as I mentioned, seems to be a really good idea. Um, as I said to you just before we were recording, if, if my uh, my social media takes off a bit, I'll, I'll definitely be calling on your services because, as I said, I can really see the benefit of that. So obviously, you, you have that sort of technological side and you know that sort of development engineer kind of side, but we're here to kind of talk about philosophy, um, mm -hmm. talk about meaning in life and stuff like that. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's a bit of a a pitching holding of people or maybe it's a bit of a narrow-minded thing but how does someone um, grow up and have that sort of interest in that environment but still have that interest in, 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 in something that seems to be completely at odds with oh yeah I have no explanation for that I think people are fascinating because we don't choose our interests right they choose us so um, I've I feel like I've thought deeply since I was a kid, but really, um, I think when I turned 30 around then that I started thinking um, again more deeply about what I believe and why I believe what I believe. So I grew up a Christian. I am still a Christian. And probably around that age, I started um, yeah, thinking through more logically like why I believe what I believe. And that just started the journey of thinking through other questions. And um, when I do get a question in my head, I, I think... I get like a physical reaction where I don't feel rested until I can think through that thing to the bottom and try to get to as a perspective um, on it. And then it kind of goes to rest at that point. Yeah. Well, like you, I, I also grew up in the, in the Christian faith, but um, because I couldn't get any of the, the answers that I was looking for, I, I rejected it. 
Um, I kind of grew up in, the, I don't know about you, but in a kind of sort of traditional, um, old-fashioned view of, of Christianity. Um, here in the UK or in Ireland, uh, especially, the church has had a massive influence over the state, so um, we would have grown up in, in Christian schools and Christian-dominated thing, but obviously growing up in life and having this kind of burgeoning worldview and, you know, looking at current affairs and stuff like that and not finding any answers. It's just all this kind of hokey-pokey in the sky. Um, mm. I ended up rejecting most of that, like I'm sure quite a lot of people do. Um, and I just kind of buried myself until um, I had an awakening one day. And I call it my spiritual awakening. I've mentioned it before. Um, and, and find spirituality, which I had no idea um, about mediums, all that sort of stuff, and psychics. Didn't believe any of it. If you had to say to me how many mediums are there or psychics, you know, where you are, I would have said five, maybe, in the entire population. And of those who were genuine, I would have said one. So I had no idea about that sort of thing. And even though I was going through what I you know, consider to be a spiritual awakening, um, I had a hard time listening and, and, and still integrating Christian and religious concepts and completely rejected uh, the concepts of Christianity, you know, like Jesus and stuff like that and all the rest of it, which a lot of people do. Um, fast forward many years later, and it's actually went full cycle or full circle for me where I've completely embraced um, a lot of the concepts that Christianity talk about. Um, and explain and expose and, and certainly the teachings of, of Christ but in a, in a very kind of spiritual sense so it's been a, a kind of full circle journey for me um, where I, I just it's kind of like that old Zen parable um, where I, I can't remember who says it but it, it goes something along the lines uh, before you start um, or undergo Zen mountains are mountains rivers are rivers it's something like this anyway um, after your first glimpse into the enlightenment or the truth of enlightenment of Zen, mountains are no longer mountains, rivers are no longer rivers. And after you obtain full enlightenment, mountains are once again mountains and rivers are once again rivers. So it's this kind of idea is when your, your, your perspective, your paradigm shifts, nothing is real, you're, everything is different until you eventually get sort of full enlightenment or you are able to reintegrate things and things seem to be the same but are different in a way. So that's kind of how I, I, I am, I, I feel about um, Christianity and a lot of the, the themes from Christianity do play a part in my life, maybe just a bit different from, from the things. So mm -hmm. I guess we just have, have stuff in common there. But again, like you, I was, uh, I'm never someone who's satisfied. I'm always looking for answers. Um, if I get an answer to something, I'm always going, well, what's behind that? You know, what, how does that integrate with that or whatever? And, so I, I would consider myself a seeker, um, a seeker of knowledge, a seeker of, of answers, whatever you want to call it. So um, I'm, I'm always asking those questions, and if I don't have the answers, I'm looking for someone who can, who can potentially point me in the direction of giving those answers. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we're going to have a, a good conversation about some of the things we're, we're talking to. So mm -hmm. we were just kind of talking about meaning, meaning in our lives and what gives our lives meaning. Um, and I guess we were, or certainly were riffing off each other, but you had just kind of explained it as, as being down to experiences. Our experiences give meaning in our life. Um, certainly the most intense experiences, childbirth, falling in love, um, having purpose to our life, uh, centered purpose. These intense experiences give meaning to our lives. They shape the people that we become. Um, they 
inform us, they determine our personality, they determine how we interact with society. Would you agree with that or do you think that's a good start maybe to get into? Yeah, I think so. Um, so I think when we're living to our fullest, we realize that we're living um, that, that situation, that experience is very meaningful. So the, the examples I gave when I reached out to you, like having a child, that feels very meaningful. Saving a life, uh, that was one of the examples I thought of a couple of weeks ago. Like if I'm not a firefighter or anything, but I can imagine if I were an EMT and I were, uh, I were trying to save a life, I would be very present. I probably wouldn't be even aware of what's going on around me. I'd be so focused on saving that life, doing CPR or something. Um, and what I was doing would be of ultimate significance. Like it would feel meaningful because I've got a clear goal, a clear purpose, save this person's life. And that whole experience um, is going to feel like it matters. It's going to feel significant. And so I'm, I, it's hard for me to find the words for that, but like if I, that situation um, I think is an example of a person living to their fullest. And, like, and there are other examples of that, but just sticking with that example, um, I think when we feel that way, when we feel like we're doing something meaningful and we're engaged in something meaningful, um, I think it, um, like I mentioned, there's a, a purpose involved in that. Usually we're going after a purpose. Um, I think that feeling of meaning points to not just like an immediate purpose or a subjective purpose that I'm, I've created for myself, but I think it points to an objective purpose a purpose for me. And um, I think, so going off of that idea, um, is my subjective experience of meaning, is that just a subjective feeling or is it also an objective fact? Is it a fact of the universe, a fact of my life that I do have a purpose um, that's coming in from the outside, that's being imposed on yeah. me from the outside? Yeah. Um, I think it does because as a Christian within my worldview that makes sense it makes sense that God made me he loves me and therefore he has a purpose for my life so I guess it corresponds like that worldview corresponds to my experience of meaning so there's this correspondence there yeah. between the experience and um, that that worldview so maybe yeah, you can move on that what do you think of that yeah, well, um, from, from the perspective of someone, I don't really like to use the term spiritual because it's too broad. Um, even within that category of spiritual, spirituality, there are many different um, beliefs and uh, philosophies and stuff like that. It's too broad for me. I am um, obviously someone who, who sort of integrates a lot of uh, philosophy and, and, and terms within their life. Within that, it would be informed by Buddhism, it would be informed by Christianity. I would be informed perhaps by um, hermetics, um, I would be informed by a great text that has made um, a massive impact on my life called The Law of One. Um, but basically, I think that, um, I think that Pansy, we don't quite know the full extent of Christianity. A lot of the, the teachings of Jesus are still unknown. Um, and there's a train of thought to suggest that, um, that when we talk about the, the resurrection, 
that term is passed and modified from the reincarnation. So there's a train of thought, and I think there's some evidence to suggest that the concept of reincarnation has been modified, left of modern-day Christianity. And so the Christianity, um, as we kind of know it, um, has a lot of relation to a lot of other philosophies and religions, i.e. the concept of reincarnation. So from my perspective, um, we, we, we constantly come into a life until we learn enough in that life um, to no longer need, potentially that, or to, to be free of this idea of karma. And I think that one of the, the things that, um, and certainly while we're here in this life, we could be looking at, um, we hear the term, term woke or woken up, or not quite in the, in the term as in we I'm aware of, you know, these, uh, the, the, these terms, but woke as in, you know, I've woken up in, in, in life, I've woken up as in I understand what life is, I understand, you know, what my purpose is in life, I understand that there's a bigger picture, you know, I have a, a connection with God in some personal manner. So I think for me that's, that defines the term woken up or woken up in life, and we hear about this great shift, this great waking up in life, um, but for me that's one of the things that can help along that journey or that can, um, I'm trying to get the words out here, that can really help us wake up in that is by having these deep experiences, by having these deep meanings in our life because they feel real. It's like touches on a deeper, a deeper side than just surface emotions, surface interactions with people rather than perhaps um, Imagine somebody once saving a life, falling in love, giving giving childbirth, being a victim of a hijacking, uh, at one point seeing your life flash in front of your eyes, things like that there. They give deep meaning to your lives and touches in a way that can't really be explained um, and, and really potentially change our, our lives for good or for bad. And um, so I think that, in my review, everyone has a purpose in life, and that purpose is to, um, through interactions and experiences like these, which I would call catalysts, catalysts is something that promotes change. So we have catalysts and facts every day through experiences like you say, and these are our experiences, these are events that make us go inside and think a lot more about our life, about our purpose in life, about why we're here, what we're doing, you know, whether that was a, a, an amazing experience, like falling in love, saving someone's life, childbirth, these experiences touch you and make you kind of, not quite retreat from the world, but go inside yourself to, to think what life is all about. Now I have a child, I'm responsible for that child, I am a responsible person, it's up to me to fill this child and fill that child up with whatever that I have experienced in my life. You know, should I fill this child up to, to tell the child he's cynical and uh, get with him you can in word or fill that child up and teach this child that you know you should learn respect everyone else and everyone's fur in life and um, falling in love is another great one you know it's a very um very overused commodity love um it's a very kind of people look at it as a wishy-washy thing but it's something that touches you almost like nothing else in this world it, it, it completely already changes you as a person not only you falling in love with another person but then your interactions with everyone else are changed by the touch of that love in a similar way <clears throat> being the victim of a robbery being the victim of assault of a rape 
and being involved in the you know, uh, almost feel like heartbreak is also inform how we look at the world that touches deeply inside, but perhaps in a different way. People who are involved in that, their potentially without looking as to why this happened to me and what can I do to grow up from that, can react in a different way. Well, you know, I got no luck or I, I was involved in this and the world didn't stop the, 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 for me, so why should I potentially help everyone? So I think that um, when, when deep experiences happen like this in our life, they force us to do a lot of introspection. Um, they force us to examine life, they force us to look at our relationship with ourselves, with others, with society at large, with God themselves. And um, they just mention there about these so-called negative experiences. People then can, can look at God and blame God and why did you let this happen? You know, why have I had to go through this here? Whereas other people who have those blissful positive experiences um, are potentially there and going to, to thank God and, you know, praise God and stuff like that. So I think that everyone has a purpose in life and that purpose is to respond to life through these challenges and these experiences that we have. Um, and this serves the type of life that we have and potentially according to your beliefs, tends to the next life that, that we may have. Yeah. So I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you believe in a purpose, an objective purpose from the outside. It's imposed on human beings. I'm also hearing a lot of language around values. So the purpose is values laden. Um, this purpose is for human beings to become, quote unquote, better human beings, more responsible, I heard more loving, um, so all that I agree with, um, and I, from my perspective, I feel like when I think about purpose and even behind purpose, love, when I think about love, I think you and I both agree, um, sorry about that. Okay. You and I both agree that love is very important. I think love is at the center of reality. And like you said, at the end of our lives, <laughs> we're not going to care what our, our jobs were. We're not really going to care how much money we've made or how many things we've collected. We're going to care. I mean, we're going to want around us the people that we love and the ones that love us. I think that's a huge signal that um, <laughs> like our, the essence of who we are is somehow tied up very tightly with love. Love is the most important thing at the, at the end of the day to us. And um, I think that makes more sense with a God who is love. God is love. He describes himself as love. And he, the, being the creator, is, um, puts love at the center of reality. Is kind of the way that, that I'm thinking about it. And so that it, I'm going back to this idea of our personal experience seems to correspond to that particular worldview. When I think about what you, what you said, um, purpose, being uh, values-laden, including love, um, is there what grounds that purpose where is that purpose coming from and as well as the values that are like embedded in that purpose well for me um, I've kind of heard this right um, this ties into the concept of free will yes absolutely I agree with you there and we're both on the same um, track here that love is the foundation for everything um, and when we talk about God, the Creator, we're talking about something that is very intimate, but at the same time very unknowable. Um, it's so, so vast and so beyond the human concept that 
Uh, we, we, we can't really comprehend how vast this, this idea of a God is, but at the same time, um, and this is the, uh, what's that great word? Um, I, can't, I can't remember, it might have come back to me. This is the paradox, because although we have this vastness, this thing beyond human comprehension, it's still intimately knowable, and that knowable, when you know, uh, when you feel that love, in whatever shape or form, you understand what this idea of God, the Creator, is at its core. So it's a complete paradox, but at the same time, I think that in my beliefs, um, everything was created by this God to experience what it's like to not be God. So everything that we experience, everything that is in this universe, not just living sentient beings, but everything, you know, we, we can say we're standing in God, we are drinking from God, we are breathing God, everything and everyone is God. So this God diversified itself in, in a manner to experience what it's like not to be God. And part of that was this concept of free will. You are free to do what you want because no matter what way you do it, it still functions, still to, to, to kind of give these clunky mechanical terms. Um, to function and to um, serve a purpose of giving God an experience of what it's like not to be God. And so while we're here on this, this planet, we hear this in Christian terminology anyway, this concept of free will, why doesn't God step in? Because, you know, humans are free to do what they want. So I think um, we have this idea of free will. We are free to do what we want. I can go out and I can shoot someone tomorrow. That's my choice. Um, as a free-willed human being, that does not mean say there will not be earthly consequences because we're still bound by earthly laws, but universal laws are completely different from this. And um, without getting into the idea of what karma and stuff like that is about, we were free to do what, what, what we want. And there's, as I said, this idea of of mean of catalyst that comes to us in order to shield us from our um, is it reverie? Our, our kind of, uh, if you don't understand what I'm saying, in order to help get us to wake up as to what is the purpose of life? Why are we here? What are we doing alive at this time? Why am I here? What is my ultimate goal in life? Is it just to simply exist in the material world? Is it to gather as much resources as I can to be possible to lead a comfortable life? Or is there a greater depth? Is there a greater meaning to this life? And I think that, in my beliefs anyway, in order to, to help us to realize, because if we look around the world today, um, a lot of people reject the idea of God, reject the idea of a creator. A lot of people, um, vast majority, have subscribed to a religion, but simply give lip service to that religion. They go and they listen to their priest, their imam, their rabbi, and hand all their power to this person and the, the, the rabbi, the priest, the imam, you know, says a few holy words, whatever, it's awesome. And then they go about their daily lives without giving really any sort of depth of meaning or any sort of um, greater thought as to, to who they are or what they're doing. So I think that even in that category there are people don't really have that depth of thing. So I, this is what I say about these catalysts, these experiences that come into our lives, they're there to help shape us. They're there to force us to do the insight. They're there to help us re-examine our relationship with God. 
Um, if, if that kind of makes sense. They're, they're the forces to look inside because ultimately that's where we're going to find God. That's where we're going to find this idea of, of God or where God is. It's inside. Um, and we can respond in one of two ways. We can respond in a loving manner, um, which is what God is all about, or we can respond in a, in a kind of negative manner, which is a separation from God. But in the same way, um, I guess it's easy to be loving, I guess it's easy to, to talk about our relationship with God, about how our lives are great and everything is, is, is lovely um, and everything is sweet in our life. When we have those um, deep experiences that are centered around love, it's harder to find love and it's harder to find this idea of God when we're going through those um, so-called negative experiences and so-called negative events. But another way of looking at that, in my experience, is that these are not negative events. These are gifts that are being given to you in order to stop you in your tracks, to make you examine inside and, and to become detached from the, the physical world around you and to re-examine in your relationship and cultivate a deeper relationship with God. So that I guess for me, it's this idea of devotion from the physical world, recognizing that you're not just a physical being who is separate, from God and from everyone else, that you truly are an important part of God, and it's through experiences such as trauma and stuff like that that you can really learn that, along with um, obviously experiences of joy. There are, I mean, there are four or five different places I want to take this conversation, but just a brief stop here is: Do you believe that there is such a thing as uh, injustice, like real injustice? You mentioned rape, right? Um, if a person is raped. Is that, uh, is that an act of injustice? That, that's a tricky one now because this is, a, this is a kind of tricky concept. And again, it depends upon your belief system. It depends upon what you believe. You know, you, you, if we believe in reincarnation, we believe that we are here multiple times. And the Buddhist um, philosophy suggests that um, the only way to stop the cycle of reincarnation is to become karmically free. Um, to, to incur no karma. Karma, in my opinion, I've, I've talked about this before, is if we were all mirror to each other, um, if you were to jab your finger in your mirror at your reflection, and um, potentially throw a punch, you're only throwing it at yourself. Hmm. So anything that we do um, to another person is reflected back at us. Um, so it, it, it comes back at us. So we can talk about that idea of um, committing an, an act or an act of injustice upon someone else, which means that we become karmically entangled um, in that, and we have to um, potentially face earthly laws, but as I mentioned, we also have these spiritual laws where um, we're going to have to make new preparations for that. And I guess one of the, the ideas of this here is I would tie it into this idea of catalyst. You know, we, we commit an act of aggression, an act of violence upon another person. It's going to come back at us in some way, um, some sort of hardship that we will encounter in our lives, not as a punishment, but as a way of self-reflection mm. to okay, yeah. re-examine our life. But because potentially a lot of time, sometimes a lot of time passes between that original act of aggression um, and potentially this idea of karma coming back to us. We don't not, not necessarily associate with that act that was happening. We also have the idea of um, 
in a lot of spiritual teachings that um, we come into this life with lessons to learn. Um, and these lessons are based, and I guess it still ties into this idea of karma. These lessons are um, potentially carried over from 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 previous lifetimes. Um, until we can learn to grow and learn to love without thinking, these. this is what the great teachings of Jesus is. And Jesus um, is not just a, a Christian person. He's not just a, a Christian prophet, but when you look at the Jesus, the history of Jesus, and you find that he, his teachings and the, the person that he was is widely revered in many different cultures. Islam, um, the great Indian yogis, um, the self-realization fellowship, um, are, are revered Jesus and his teachings, these idea of these channeled higher beings. They, they always talk about the, the importance of Jesus and his message. So for me, Jesus is universal. But um, to get back to that point was his message was love and this was the, the, the love that we're getting back to. So our idea on this earth is to learn the idea of love, which when we love enough, we have compassion, we have forgiveness, we have non-judgment, we have not wanting to inflict anything upon another person. So this ties in with the Buddhist faith of non-judgment. So um, these are some of the lessons that we need to learn um, and sometimes in, in spiritual teachings we need to learn the opposite of what we previously had in our lives. So there's a, 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 a line of thinking to suggest that um, sometimes people who are the victims of violence in some way were perpetrators in a previous life. Sure. It's maybe not quite as simple as that but there is some idea around that. I'm sure it's a lot more complicated. But it's again, it's this idea of um, potentially making repatriations for um, maybe the, the life that you had in a previous life, and also these deep traumatic experiences, how we need to learn to grow um, right. and evolve beyond them. Yeah, Does that absolutely. kind of make sense? Yeah, when, when I've thought about, um, and everything you've said um, makes sense to me, when I've thought about karma in the past, this was the reason that I had to reject it, because it seemed to me logically the logical conclusion of that, of that principle is that there is no injustice. Everything that happens right now is the perfect um, working out of the just, you call them spiritual laws. So when uh, a person's a victim of violence, yes, that's a terrible thing that happens, but that is the working out of karma in that person's life. And so... Yeah, so when I thought about that, I was like, I can't accept that. When I see suffering in the world, I can't accept that. That is the, the just rewards for that person from a previous life. And then when I thought about the implications of karma for things like charity, like acts of charity, giving to yeah. the poor, um, well, in, in terms of karma, it seems to me like, well, the poor are poor because they deserve it, because of the way they lived previous lives. It all, it, it seemed to remove any motivation for trying to change things, um, the, the current state of things. And so there was a lot of cognitive dissonance for me when I thought through the implications of yeah. karma. Right? Yeah, I, I couldn't hold on to that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not an easy concept. And I guess all of these concepts are, are not easy. Well, I think what we have to remember is that while we're here in um, this human body, we are very limited. We have human emotions, we have human feelings. 
excuse me, and that's exactly the way it's meant to be because this is a learning place. This is a school for learning. So we're not meant to have that um, deep connection to, to God, I guess, where everything is knowing because if we did, we would have nothing to learn while we're here. Again, these are only my, my philosophy. You're free to accept or reject anything. So the idea of karma is, is a kind of tricky one, but ultimately... Um, God loves us and this love is there at all times. It is us with our own human experiences and our own human feelings, if you like, um, and our own human um, ideologies and our busy lives that constantly forgets that that love is there at all times. It's only a case of retuning ourselves. Um, so it makes life very difficult for us down here and even if you um, have felt that deep love from, from God um, and have had that deep connection and have felt that and have had experiences where you're completely out of this body, it does not ultimately stop you from experiencing and looking at traumatic events and reacting to them on a, on a very human emotion or a very human level because we still are very human in this body and subject to, to human um, human states of consciousness. Um, so although I, I may talk about love and I may, though I may expose Jesus' teachings amongst great other masters and talk about the idea of forgiveness, of empathy and compassion, when I look at events in the world, and um, potentially uh, the Ukraine crisis, um, COVID, the actions of our governments, um, how short-sighted and how um, uh, reprehensible they are, when I look at uh, the disparity in the world, um, when I look at the, the, the wealthy elite 1%, um, how that wealth could be redistributed to um, people without clean sanitation, water, I still react to those events on a human level. Um, even though I, I know that, um, or even though I, I, I believe that, um, that everything is, is happening for a reason. We also, I guess, we have to, to look at the idea of um, that, uh, we have what's called soul agreements um, between two or a number of people in which they agree to play certain roles. So another idea of this here is that we're all playing roles. And like we're role playing, you know, it's a stage and behind the stage, we're all friends with each other. But on the stage, we're, we're in these bodies, we're playing roles. And that's potentially in order to help us learn and grow. Well, I'm going to play the role of the bad person. I'm going to play the role of the... Um, the, the sheriff, you play the, the role of the, the, the gangster, you know, and, but I guess the, these roles are to help design, to, to learn us grow and evolve as, as, as the spiritual beings we are and discover that love within us that, that ultimately is, is theirs and is our birthright. Can I poke a little bit at the idea of love and again, you, you talked about the purpose for all of us is to self-actualize and learn on this journey. Um, is, is the God that you speak of, is that a personal God? Um, I only ask because yeah. when I think about love and I think about learning um, these lessons that we talked about just previously, I feel like these are all interpersonal concepts. Like love, for, to me, when I think about what love is, doesn't make sense outside of an interpersonal context, person to person. Um, so that's why I ask, is the God that you believe in a personal entity or a personal being? Um, well, for me, as, as I mentioned, it's, it's, 
I guess we're all sparks of the divine, you know, whatever way you want to call that. Even in Christianity, we, we talk about having souls and um, that are ultimately going to reunite with God. And that's obviously a, a concept with just different language that, that, I, I, that I, I believe. So, so the God that, that I know um, is the, the creator of all things. things. And again, I'm only trying, trying to explain this in human, human terms, terms because it's outside of my concepts. So I can only, I guess, it's like, like trying to explain to a child the mind system. You take your penny, yeah, you take your penny, you put it here, and after a time, you know, you water that penny, it grows into two pennies. So, although we know the banking system is a lot more complicated than that, we can only explain it in very simple terms. So, when we talk about the concept of God, we can only talk about it through our own very, very limited human experiences. Um, and perhaps maybe experiences that I've had through, through um, deep meditations where I felt that love. But so we have this concept of God as the creator of every single thing. So we tend to define that God as an entity, as a source of all things. And we tend to put a name on that God, he, she, them, it, God, even the word God itself, to describe something that we can't, can't really fully grasp. So, so we talk about a God as a singular entity, but then when we talk about the God that is inside of us, when we talk about this concept of going inwards to try to find God, we discover a God that is personal to us based on our experiences. So I recently had, um, I've had a few Christian people on and um, interviewing them, and we've, we've thrown about we haven't thrown about the idea of God. We've talked about this concept of God, and um, although we've used different terminology, we're describing the same thing, but only um, based upon our own experiences. So the God that I described is personal to me, and the Jesus that I might talk about is personal to me, based on the experiences that I have had. So the God that I know is personal to me, but at the same time, it's the same God that everyone else experiences in the same way that when I look at another human being, when I look at you, I see John Lee in front of me, I see um, the person you are, the ethnic person, the nationality, the person you are. When you look at me, you see a white Caucasian guy with sort of a mop of a hairstyle or whatever. So we look very different to each other. So, so we turn and say, say you're you, you and I you, but, but underneath this bag of clothes that we have, it, which, which we call a body, we're still in that singular part of the vine, that singular spark. So ultimately, we are all one. An analogy that I had when I was um, when I was doing a spiritual practice is the, the analogy came to me of a snow globe. When we hold um, a snow globe far away from us and we shake it, we see just a mass of yeah, uh, snow, I guess. So, so from, from that perspective, everything, or I guess, sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. When we, we hold that snow globe close and we peer inside it, we, we can see each individual snowflake. We can see, well, there's that snowflake, there's that snowflake, there's that. They're all individual snowflakes. But when we push the snow globe far away from us, it becomes one mass snowflakes. So it's a question of perspective at the end of the day. It depends on your perspective. If you think about people and, and your interactions with people on a one-to-one -one basis you're going, going to, to think, think of that's them that's them but when we think, think about the world as a whole when we think, think about god as a whole you begin to realize that we're all one at the end of the day 
So I think there's two perspectives that you can have. I think it is a matter of perspective. You can say the God that I know is a personal God, um, based on my experiences, but at the same time, it's still all the same thing. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. I think, I think what I'm hearing is you do believe in a, when I say personal, I mean um, a consciousness. Like it is, it is self-aware. It, it relates to us like you and I are relating. Um, yeah, of absolutely. course, more than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, again, I'm not 100% certain on this here, but the, 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 the philosophy that I believe, the philosophy that really strikes home to me and um, suggests that um, this um, God uh, that we know, and I guess it's the same sort of thing, just with different words in Christian terminology, somehow I became aware, somehow I became, um, although it wasn't always, you know, it's not that it wasn't always aware, it was, um, it just had no frame of reference to itself. So it formed, um, it had a kinetic, it had a potential, and out of that kinetic and had out of that potential um, came the concept of free will, came the concept of the idea of it could be something other than what it was, which is everything. Um, and so the concept came um, of this reference point to the self in which it could experience the self subjectively to the self. And out of that idea, out of that concept, forms something else, formed a, a sort of consciousness independent of itself. And then this consciousness independent of itself, I guess you could turn around and say, well, I've now created you, which you're a part of me. You now have the free will to go and do what you want. And so this consciousness that was sort of itself, but independent of itself, came up with the idea of how can I base create um, what the, the oneness that is me um, is it looking for. Um, out of that kind of sort of idea, this, this sort of consciousness that was separate came this idea of diversifying. It came with the idea of a universe in which material universe would have come into being and would have been populated by all these individual pieces of consciousness on this vast array um, of things. So every single living thing, including flowers, plants, trees, has a, has a form of consciousness, and um, it's just that we don't look at it like that because we can't interact with trees and stuff. And some people, you know, will obviously suggest that you can't. So, this idea of, um, yes, there's absolutely a consciousness, a, a type of consciousness that goes well beyond anything that we can understand, but out of that idea of wanting to experience something other than itself. It came up with this idea of diversification, and out of that came the material universe. And this is the journey that every living single thing is on, this journey back to that consciousness, and yeah. everything feeds back into that force. So, okay, I'm going to have to um, go in a, in a minute or two, but everything you're yeah. saying, um, I hear a lot of resonance with what you just said and described with the Trinity. So the Trinity is at the heart of the universe, at the heart of reality, is this relationship between three persons. So there's diversity and unity within this idea of the Trinity. So the source of reality is both one and many. Um, and then there's love. Love, like I said earlier, is an interpersonal phenomenon. And so if at the center of reality is this tri-personal loving relationship, that again seems to me a good foundation for what 
um, we experience as love being the center of our experience, the most important thing in, in the universe. And then everything kind of going back to that um, also kind of makes sense. Like as Christians, I think there's an idea that um, we are folded into that relationship. We are, we are participating in that love relationship that God has had from, from forever, for all eternity um, within the three persons. So we're participating and that is the goal yeah. of our lives. Yeah, to yeah. enjoy and experience that. Yeah. I would say for me, and me because I just asked this recently, because we were kind of talking about this, where does this idea of a trinity as in the, the, the Christian type of trinity come from if we're talking about, you know, this idea of spirituality and, and a form of the law of one? Sort of the answer sort of came to me that we, we are a representation of the trinity. We as human beings, we are mind, body, spirit. If God is the spirit, um, if the Jesus is the body, then the Holy Spirit must be the two connecting, must be the force that connects them. So it's the mind that connects the spirit with the body. So in a way, we could look at ourselves as being an embodiment of the Trinity. And the love that you mentioned is, is I guess, it's this underlying force, this principle, which this career used um, as part of free will to create this universe. And an embodiment of that in this physical reality is light. So light is actually a reflection of the force of love that is what was used to create the universe. So when we talk about God's love, we talk about this underlying force that was used to create everything in existence and light then is a reflection of that. So when we say love is all around, we talk about light. Light is love. Love is light. I mean, I would agree. I mean, in Christian terms, Love is, I think, the motivation for uh, creation. So God created everything motivated by his love for, uh, well, to share his love and to express that love in, in all creation, in mountains, in men and women. Um, I've never heard of light being like a physical represent representation of love, but I think back to Genesis in the beginning, I think, Oh, I don't know, I forget what the phrase is, but like he said, let there be light, right? So that's like the first thing that he... Yeah, it's, it's the word, it's the fact that I of the Logos, and I can't think it's called, you that word, the Logos, and again, this, this idea of the Logos in, in, in my philosophy is the term that um, was supposed to describe, to create that, to describe this sort of consciousness that became independent of God, so it was called the Logos, which is the word made flesh and this logos diversified itself into these sub-logos which um, were responsible for thing and in the physical universe these logos, these subconsciousnesses of God are our sun which creates light which is the life giver in this so we could say against Jesus the son of God, I am the son the son of God, God's son I don't know, yeah. there's stuff to play around with it's interesting it is, yeah interesting. Thank you for the conversation, Ben. Yeah, I'd love to have you back, back and throw some more of these. So, whenever you have something else that, that tickles your mind, perhaps we could go back and maybe make this more of a regular feature. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed our conversation and, and had 
Uh, lots to think about. Take away. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't know I was going to go tonight, especially sort of suffering the effects of this thing. And I was like, oh, am I going to be able to speak? But um, this is actually, I've just found that this is actually where I work best, um, where when I just able to throw ideas and concepts about. So thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Apologies that it didn't happen sooner, but I'm really glad you accepted it again, and I look forward to seeing you again. Me too. Take and care. If anyone's looking to get a hold of your app, they can find us. Find me at custommobile.app. That's the URL. Absolutely fantastic, John. Thank, thank you once again. Have a safe journey, journey, and I'll speak again to you soon. Thank you.